Everybody breathe in. A little bit more. And a little bit more. And breathe out. What is this? This is the Scientifically Sound. Welcome to The Sound. My name is Ralph from the South. I'm the host that does the most, and I don't mean to boast. I mean seriously. I feel... I feel wonderful, and here's why, you know. I want I want to give you more of an insight to what I do in lab and everything. I do a lot of cell culture work, and a lot of the time, it's tedious, I consider it a valley, something that you have to go through in order to get better in terms of your science. But sometimes you just have to think about the fun parts of cell culture. And I broke my record of just starting a drug study. And typically it takes me about two hours just because I'm not good with a hemocytometer. Just because counting multiple cells just aggravates my brain. And I cut from two hours to one hour. And that's just the win in my book. What are your wins? Like, I'm excited for my drug study. Like, I got to go in tomorrow and give another batch. Like, I'm hyped. Maybe I can get it down to 45 minutes. It's going to be stellar. I'm just telling you. So, for if you are joining us, welcome to the Scientifically Sound. This is a podcast just me showing what my scientific lifestyle is like we got music we got science and something you're gonna learn is that they're somehow connected somehow i i try to reveal some connection and i try to put you on like you know i'm that i'm the dude that has like mixtapes or has playlists and just be like hey listen to this tell me what you think and you'll end up liking it hopefully and if not you know, you can put me on to stuff. But I'm glad you all are here. Today's episode is titled Sophisticated Lady. I'm excited to share it with you. Let's go. Yes. 
This is called Sophisticated Lady. Give me some snaps, give me some snaps. Yes, 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 yes. Have you ever seen a sophisticated lady? Everywhere you look, they're ever so present She just handles herself. And she just amazes me. And you make things clear where I thought they were hazy. It's crazy. Sophisticated lady. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. that'll be a great place to start let's go back like way back so the reason why we're going so far back because we're about to dive into a wonderful period of renaissance that happened in america and it all was in new york during this time of course i think a lot of us remember history class it was the rise in 20s and everything was popping in terms of the economy And, of course, the unfortunate crash of that economy the decade next. But a certain movement was occurring called the Harlem Renaissance. But, of course, we got to get the vibe straight before I talk any further. So let's change the vibe real quick. Ah, yeah, this is perfect. But, you know, in the scientifically sound, we got to turn up a bit. So get ready. All right. So as I was saying about the Harlem Renaissance, this was a fantastic time, especially in New York City. This is due to the fact during the era of prohibition as well as racial segregation, so many clubs, particularly nightclubs, were making it a killing just in general when it comes to music. And since we're talking about 1920s, 1930s, we're talking about like jazz music, blues music is really popping up. And in a particular club called the Cotton Club, it was probably one of the prime clubs within New York City. It actually started out as a fully white club that would only just watch black entertainers and black musicians play. And over time, it would get integrated, but there was a lot of critique from it, especially from Langston Hughes. So back to this club. Its run comes from 1923 to 1940 when it would close. Now, during this time, wonderful musicians would come and entertain and play, and that's actually where their careers would pop off and start doing recording. You might hear Cab Calloway dancing, looking like a cartoon, singing Minnie the Moocher. You might see in the corner over there Billie Holiday prepping to sing Strange Fruit. And in particular, one man. The legend, Duke Ellington, was probably preparing on stage the jazz standard and the sample you hear in this beat, Sophisticated Lady. Now, there's grand debate over who the Sophisticated Lady is. Some say it's Duke Ellington's mom. Some say it's great teachers. But you know what I say? I say that it's about this wonderful doctor. 
who popularized the pap smear, named Dr. Helen O. Dickens. What's up? Today's song of the day that I want you to play Mm -hmm. in lab is Keep On Pushing. You know, it's never wrong to play some type of motivational stuff. And this song is actually sang by a wonderful group. We got Chicago Soul coming through now. Um, this wonderful group was led by a wonderful singer. Maybe you heard him. Um, Curtis Mayfield. If you don't know, this is the guy. And excuse my uh, impression of him. Move on up. Um, so, you know, we have him leading this wonderful group. This group is called The Impressions. Well known from singing from 1958 to even up to 2018. Having multiple members come in and out. So Chicago soul, R&B soul, and this actual group was popping off well into the 1970s and 80s with wonderful music. Anywho, listen to Keep On Pushing by The Impressions, and let's get back to the show. So let's get back to it. We're in the Cotton Club. Duke Ellington has just written The Jazz Standard, Sophisticated Lady. Now, it's a mystery of who that song was dedicated to, but I think it needs to be dedicated to this wonderful, sophisticated lady. Now, this song was composed in 1932. At the same time, this wonderful lady just got her MD from the University of Illinois College of Medicine. This wonderful lady is Dr. Helen Octavia Dickens. Now, this sophisticated lady was born to a father who was a former slave and a mother who was a domestic servant. It was actually interesting in an interview she gave in, I think, 1988. Her father, being the encouraging man that he was, said that she should be a nurse. And she told herself, and she said this in the interview, saying that if I was going to be a nurse, I might as well be a doctor. And she achieved just that in 1934. Now, after getting her degree in in 1934, in 1935, she actually moves to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania to work under Virginia Alexander at Esperanto Health Home. And the goal of this home was to provide obstetrics and gynecological care to underprivileged women. And working under her mentor, she did just that. She's dealing with women from teenage years all the way up to postmenopausal years. She's also being a mentor in just medical education community. And eventually, her mentor would eventually leave to go to Yale School of Public Health, making her in charge of the birthing center and also just becoming head of working and taking care of these women. Then she upgrades and says, I need to expand on my skills and work within doing gynecological care and she actually starts doing residencies throughout the 1940s going to Harlem Hospital and working under mentors um, achieving certifications within 1946 and 1948 becoming the actual first black gynecologist in Philadelphia Pennsylvania by the time she returns in 1948 so she's already making boss moves so now we're in the 1950s and Dr. Dickens has now returned to Philadelphia to work at Mercy Douglas Hospital in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Now, not only is she treating 
um, black women of all ages in terms of gynecological care. She is now mentoring and raising up the next generation of black physicians. And during this time, she was a cancer crusader because she was teaching these black physicians how to perform a pap smear and interpret the pap smear. Now, for those who don't know off the cuff, the pap smear is used to screen for cervical cancer and colon cancer. Her work essentially would prevent multiple deaths of black women happening when it came to cervical cancer. And she is so amazing being able to pass that knowledge on to the next generation of medical doctors. In addition to all of this, and this is coming from her entire career, she will become the first black fellow in the American College of Surgeons. She would climb the professorship ladder and eventually become the Associate Dean of Minority Admissions at the University of Pennsylvania in order to mentor the future of black physicians as well who were pursuing um, a medical career. You know, one of her mentees was actually interviewed and they actually stated that you could recognize her by her stature. She held herself in a high regard. That truly signifies, amongst all other things, a sophisticated lady. Thank you for joining us. This has been for The Scientifically Sound. My name is Ralph White III. You can follow us and learn more about The Scientifically Sound on Instagram. Follow us at Scientifically Sound. And on Twitter for the number four, the Psy underscore sound. May your Western blots not smile. Never, ever, ever add water to acid. And, you know, give yourself a break. Treat yourself. It's going to be all right. And welcome to another time with a sophisticated scientist. Today we are learning what it means to be a sophisticated scientist. Welcome, a sophisticated scientist. say what makes a sophisticated scientist i just don't understand it i don't understand why people do not understand this what makes a sophisticated scientist well for one a sophisticated scientist i say just uses a positive and negative control when they're trying to analyze their data I don't know why there are people in this world that just do not understand. You must have a control set. How else does your Western blot work? It astounds me. In addition, a sophisticated scientist always cleans their bench after every experiment. And if there are stopping points, you clean it after every day on the day and clean your dishes every day on the day. It just astounds me how many people are out there that just leave messes on their benches. Ugh, blimey. Lastly, what makes a sophisticated scientist is just being who you are. I, for one, am someone that is truly sophisticated. As I live how I want to live, 
I'm pleased with the data that I see. And my PI usually has wonderful feedback. And with that, it has been a time with a sophisticated scientist. And remember, never ever, ever, ever add water to acid. It's always acid to water. Thank you.